You're listening to Sea Change. I'm Hallie Parker. And here in Louisiana, we're kind of known as a food state. Jambalaya, gumbo, shrimp in a thousand different ways. But there's a secret to Louisiana cooking. The best food here is in someone's house. It is not in a restaurant. No shade on our many wonderful restaurants, but Braylon Harris is right. He's wearing a rose-covered button-down and a permanent smile. A smile you can hear when he talks about his city of Lake Charles, Louisiana. Best jambalaya is in, on the back porch of someone's house. Ever since I moved to the South, I've been waiting, waiting for that back porch jambalaya invite. I bet you have. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for joining me today. Stephen Basaha works for the Gulf States Newsroom, a family of public radio stations in Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana. And that family includes you over at WWNO, Hallie. So thank you for having me on Sea Change. Happy to have you here. And I hear that you brought something with you. Yes. And unfortunately, it is not jambalaya. But I did bring some reporting I recently did in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Now, Lake Charles is a city of about 80,000 people, not far from the Texas border and the Gulf of Mexico. I got this driving tour all over the city from Braylon Harris, who you heard just a second ago. He's the executive director of Southwest Louisiana Responds. They coordinate aid between different churches across, you guessed it, Southwest Louisiana. And as you could already tell, he's also a pretty great ambassador for the city. From the food. That is some of the best fried chicken you want to eat ever. To the sunsets. Absolutely stunning. And of course, the people. I don't know how much closer to heaven you can get than that. So beautiful people, beautiful food. You know, it's a beautiful scenery. It's hard to beat. But the reason I went there, Hallie, was not to talk about sunsets or eat at local favorite Steamboat Bills, which of course I did. It's because we're now just wrapping up a very important time for Lake Charles, an important time really across the Gulf Coast, a time everyone here dreads. Mm, Yeah, we're at the tail end of the heart of hurricane season. Now, hurricane season is technically half the year, so it's a bit of a stretch to call it a season or to say we're completely in the clear. But the time of highest activity for storms is mid-August through mid-October, right? Yeah, and it's already a stressful time, but it's even more stressful when you're still recovering from a previous storm. In fact, make that storms plural. Yeah, three years ago in 2020, Lake Charles was devastated by Hurricane Laura. Then just six weeks later, they were hit again, this time by Hurricane Delta. And all that means it's still taking a long time for Lake Charles to be made whole again. So I recently drove to Lake Charles to ask people what recovery is like when recovery slips into its fourth year. Today on Sea Change, our episode is split in two parts. We explore what storm recovery looks like for people living through it and how long it truly takes to be made whole, if that ever happens. Later, we'll go to Texas to hear from residents pushed to the margins six years after Hurricane Harvey and chronic flooding. But first, Stephen takes us to Lake Charles to hear about anxiety and faith while in the heart of hurricane season. Sea Change is produced by public radio stations WWNO New Orleans and WRKF Baton Rouge. Please help support this podcast by making a donation in support of Sea Change at WWNO or WRKF.org.
Support comes from Bromart, a neighborhood grocery with stores on Magazine Street and in Metairie, River Ridge, Chalmette, and Belchase. Bromart is a neighborhood experience with local ordering and local charm. Spring specials available now. Bromart.com. We're back in the heart of hurricane season, and that brings with it a tension across Lake Charles, a tension that tightens when the clouds go gray. Right. Plenty of room back there? You good? Yeah, this is perfect. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, there's plenty of room. Yeah. I mean, compared to my teeny tiny little car. Oh. So, after hopping into Braylon's stand, we start driving to our first destination, downtown Lake Charles. And on the drive, there's one thing in particular I'm keeping my eye out for. An easy-to-see marker for the amount of destruction still left over after a storm. People will come by and they'll count the blue roofs. Blue roofs, or tarps, are a common sight after a storm. They're used like bandages, meant to cover unrepaired roofs and keep the rain out. Now, they're supposed to be temporary, but often they stay up on some houses for years while the roof underneath it waits to get fixed up. So that sharp blue color is this undeniable sign that this house still needs work. And if you're keeping score based on blue roofs, well, things actually look pretty good heading downtown. We drive across Shell Beach Drive, kind of your prime real estate spot in the city since it curves around the lakefront. We see red bricks and white pillars, but as for blue roofs, we didn't see any. You say, where is it, right? Where, where, where's the damage? Where's the, where's the longer term recovery? Looks like everything's fine. You've got new houses coming up and, and beautiful houses that have been constructed since then. The recovery here in this part of town mostly finished up long ago. The restaurants are back selling fried shrimp, and the chemical plants across the lake are all open. From our drive so far, it seems like Lake Charles is pretty much back. But... You start jogging to the north of the city, and the blue roofs start coming back. There's easily, probably, you know, I would say hundreds of homes that are still in need of uh, assistance. The further we drive from the lake houses, the more blue starts popping up. At first, one or two tarps on a block, to then some neighborhoods where the tarps are about as common as shingles. But Braylon says just paying attention to the blue tarps, it's kind of missing the point. He says to really understand all the work Lake Charles still needs to do, he says we need to look closer. He turns off the highway into this one neighborhood that has the feel of a new housing development. You know, like the outsides all look pristine, there's no tarps in sight here, but like a new development, it feels empty. No cars sit on the curb. We're riding by what is probably three blocks of houses, almost on both sides of the street. Every one of them has new roofs. Just look in the windows, though. Nobody's home. Where? Just no one's moved back in? No one's home. Those homes are probably still, may need to still be gutted. And if they have been gutted, no sheetrock's been put back. I mean, and that was 20 houses, probably. Another 20 probably in front of us that are in that same condition. It's important to remember the real problem with a damaged roof is not the roof itself. It's the exposed insides. Rains from Hurricane Laura in 2020 rotted drywall, flooring, family photos, everything. And across Lake Charles, plenty of homes were still exposed when Hurricane Delta came through six weeks later. So while the roofs of these homes might be fixed, the insides still need work before people can move back. And even the houses that were spared, the worst of the storms, and people were back living in them, well, that doesn't mean everything's okay. Ah, 
Hey, how are you? Fine, you. I'm just wiping the chair off because I got it from outside. You know what to see. This is Vanessa Bellany. She meets me in her living room wearing big hoop earrings and a shirt that says love is patient. She bought this one-story home back in 2019. Her first time as a homeowner, actually, which she was really excited about. It's a mix of red bricks and gray sheet sidings on the outside. You pull up at this house, it looks good. The outside looks pretty. Yeah, you don't have those strips of blue on your roof like so many people still do. No. No, not anymore. We had... we. I say maybe, well, eight months ago, they took it down, you know, and put me in a roof. She got in touch with Braylon's group, Southwest Louisiana Responds, after seeing a Facebook post and gave them a call. They connected her with volunteers who fixed up her roof. Now, in some ways, Vanessa was lucky. Her home did not top the list for houses that needed the most work, and she was able to move back in right away. But just because her house wasn't the worst off doesn't mean it didn't need repairs. And her living room floor is taking longer to get fixed. Those high winds from Hurricane Laura detached the floor from the wall. So I couldn't even walk on one side of the living room floor because my floor had um, kind of caved in. When you say it caved in, what did that? What do you mean? What did that look like? Floor was sideways. So like this... nobody can come to my front door. Well, where are they coming from? Back had to come through the back fence. Because nobody was going to sue me coming in my house. I work at a law firm. I know how it works. So I was like, you're not coming to my house and sue me. <laughs> Vanessa did not have insurance. So she's been relying on aid groups and her own bank account to cover the repairs. And she says she can't get her home insured now until those damages get fixed. Of course, those with insurance didn't always do better. That's one of the biggest struggles here and a big part of the reason why it's taken so long for Lake Charles to recover. Lots of homeowners are still fighting for payouts. Vanessa sees this every day at the law firm she mentioned she works at. She's a legal assistant there. The attorneys I work for go to mediation, they go to trial, they still going through that. So I see that every day, every single day. It's all enough to make Vanessa question whether she still wants to be a homeowner. Maybe I'll just get a trailer because being a homeowner is a lot of stress. <laughs> just bought a home, but I think uh, maybe I'll go get a trailer because if, if it just blow away or whatever, I have it insured, I get another one. And then just less heartache, less, you know, has stress to go through again. The cost keeps stacking up. One contractor told her she needed to elevate her house, which is not cheap. Vanessa didn't get an estimate for how much raising her house would cost, but the contractor told her it would be a pretty penny and something she's not sure if she wants to pay for. I don't want to have to keep going through this amount of detail to just get this house done because hurricane season may be coming again. And it's like, it just feel like I'm in a hurricane like all over again. We're back in the heart of hurricane season, and that brings with it attention across Lake Charles. Attention that tightens when the clouds go gray. It rains. There's panic. Once again, Braylon Harris, and a member of his team at Southwest Louisiana Respond, Sarah Drott. She's riding shotgun up front with Braylon on our Lake Charles driving tour. In the back with me is Hannah Sober. She's the head of case management for the team. And we're cutting across a highway on the east side of town on this 100-plus degree day everyone's ready to get some relief from. But more stressful than the heat is really any chance of rain. There's a part of you that wants to say, man, yeah, man, you know, we could use a little rain. We could use a little break from the heat, but it's like you don't pray for those things down here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it goes from one extreme to the other. 
anyone here in Southwest Louisiana. Give us dry and hot any day, uh, rather than the anxiety and and the concerns uh, and the risks that come with uh, significant rains. But also, hot summer also heats up all the water in the Gulf, yeah. which makes oh. for a crazy hurricane season. Yeah. Scientists at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration originally predicted we had a good chance for an average number of storms this hurricane season. But warmer waters in the Gulf this summer caused scientists to now predict this season would have more storms than usual. And it also doesn't take a major hurricane like Laura in 2020 to cause a ton of damage if you're already vulnerable from the last storm. Hurricane Delta made landfall as a Category 2 storm but remember, it came just six weeks after Laura devastated Lake Charles. People were still trying to pick themselves up again and struggling to find the right people to help. The other big thing I heard people say that they had a lot of problems with was just a lack of contractors and a lack of contractors that could actually do the job right. More like a, an abundance of contractor fraud. I was hearing about contractor fraud at minimum 10 times a day with phone calls. 10 times a day. Yeah, easily. The thing is, with contractor fraud, it's rampant. There's literally a group of people who follow disasters across the country just to rip people off. After a storm or a natural disaster, you get these storm chasers going door to door, promising to repair people's homes. And the homeowners are often still shocked from losing so much, so they often don't look too closely at their credentials, and the homeowners hand over those insurance checks. That's when the contractors run away. Or if they stay, they often just do shoddy work. We've had to go into houses and redo work that was done. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I've heard of over half a million dollars worth of contractor fraud, just in our office. Well, I would be almost one-fifth of that myself, personally. So $70,000 is what a contractor took from us. Oh, really? From you guys? From, it took me, me from, from you? Right. From yeah. you personally? From me personally and recovering, trying to recover my home. It took $70,000? $70,000. That's not uncommon. That is not uncommon. Contractor fraud costs Americans billions of dollars each year, according to the National Insurance Crime Bureau. In 2021, it was about $9 billion lost to fraud. How do you handle something like that? Uh, lots of prayer. <laughs> lots, of, lots of prayer and frustration. You know, and, and you get help from friends, and you, you're able to kind of at least piece things back together. But, you know, I, I would consider myself a, you know, fairly educated, young, and if I was quote unquote taken advantage of, you can imagine the grandmothers, the grandfathers that were taken advantage of, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars a piece. Contractor fraud is also just really difficult to prosecute because prosecutors have to prove intent to steal. There are some laws around that, like the Consumer Protection Act, but they often come with lighter consequences. And you also need someone to actually want to press charges. Someone who's, again, already going through a crisis. Your home's already destroyed. You have to make decisions rapidly about, do I save my house as best I can and try to stop the bleeding? Or do I try and find this person who's disappeared so that I can get things complete? Most people don't have the money to do that, to pursue that. And so they disappear without consequence. 
May I ask, seeing the destruction that's happened, hearing people taking advantage of that destruction, you work and collaborate with all these churches. How, how does your faith play into all this and seeing all this, this destruction and fraud? Personally speaking, if not for Jesus, we would not have seen a number of miracles in our area. It still hurts, you know. It's still a lot of putting on your boots and getting out there, but we have the strength to be able to do that because of faith. Of course, the centers of that faith were not spared from the storms either. Well, we know it's time, amen, that we greet one another with the love of Jesus. Amen. And you greet somebody, shake that hand and hug that neck. Just let them know you're glad to see them this morning. Praise yeah, the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike Robinson is the pastor at the Breath of Life Praise and Worship Center. This church had its sanctuary destroyed by Hurricane Laura, from the ceiling to equipment like monitors and speakers. So the congregation now gathers in the church's former gym for Sunday service. It was already a small congregation before Hurricane Laura. Pastor Mike says they had maybe around 50 members. But after Laura, a lot of members just never came back to Lake Charles. Today, there's only four here sitting on black cushioned chairs instead of pews. But that doesn't stop Pastor Mike's voice from rising loud above the fans. If I lost my clothing, I'd be all right. But if I lost my joy, I don't know. After the service, we sat down on the black chairs and talked. He told me after the storm, he reached out to both the Small Business Administration and FEMA. He was denied by both of them. He didn't get into details, but said a company did eventually step in to help. To be honest with you, it was frustrating. Three years is a long time to not have anything in terms of service that would help meet a need as great as ours and many others. But again, there's a scripture that says, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And that leading on that particular principle of God's word has allowed us to get through that three-year experience. Mike says less important than the number of people in the seats at his church is that he still gets to spread the word among a small core group. One of them is Zena Siverand. Church family is uh, the ones that lift you up. They share love. They give you hope and give you strength. Zena has been coming here for about 25 years. She admits that it hurts to see the damage to the church and how the service has gotten smaller. When one or two are gathered, it's still okay because God is in the presence. But we are used to having a larger church family. Repairs finally began on the sanctuary this summer. The debris and rotted sheetrock were gone when Zena walked through it for the first time since repairs began. Oh, wow. This is, this is nice. The sanctuary is still mostly empty, needs everything from pews to new flooring. But to Zena, this is a blessing. This place was destroyed, just like my home. I wasn't sure when we were going to come back in the sanctuary. The roof for Zena's home was damaged by the storm, letting in rain that ruined the insides. 
Xena says going through this has made her more aware of hurricane season, paying attention to the signs, the warnings, what to leave and what to bring, and more aware of how long recovery can take. It's, it's still taking two to three years to get ourselves back to where we were, and now it's hurricane season again. We're going to go through a portion um, of the city. Uh, we're now east of the city, east of... Uh... There's one last thing I wanted to show you from Lake Charles, another neighborhood Braylon drove me through. It's called Greenwich Terrace, far east away from downtown with palm trees in front of some of the houses. Beautiful community, beautiful homes. But there's also still signs of the damage done here by all those natural disasters. And not just blue on the roofs, but a rainbow of disaster signs, like yellow and red caution tape and brown plywood boarding up windows. A lot of the problems here come down to flooding, and not just flooding from Hurricanes Laura and Delta, but Hurricane Harvey in 2017, and more flooding in 2021. I've been in homes in this community that I've personally helped carry sheetrock out of three or four times. So clearly these homes are prone to flooding. So two years ago, the state of Louisiana stepped in and created the appropriately named Greenwich Terrace buyout program. Basically, the state used about 30 million bucks from the federal government to buy up these homes to tear them down. Voluntarily, of course, but many people did want to move. In fact, more people wanted to move than there was money to pay for their houses, meaning some homeowners were lucky. Literally, as I said here, right, on this street, to my left, these homes are bought out. Other homeowners were not so lucky. To my right, that home is trying to sell because it was not bought out. There probably was 12 to 15 inches of water on this street, and it got in that house, and it got in that house. The houses on the left and right look identical, with beige bricks and white doors. The only difference is that one has a for sale sign. The other was lucky enough to be bought by the state. Several of those are already demolished. To our right here, all of these homes are still here. All of these homeowners are still there. They're still at risk if something were to happen today. Early in the drive, Braylon told me how Lake Charles' recovery reminded him of New Orleans' recovery after Katrina. How some parts, usually the whiter, richer parts of New Orleans, recovered much faster than the rest of the city. You know, we talked about earlier the tale of two cities. I guess this is the tale of the two sides of the road, right? You know what I mean? Um, and so... And that's not, that sounds like this is not even an economic line. It's just a luck line to some extent. That is exactly what that is. I mean, it is someone, you know, uh, someone had the unfortunate job to say, okay, 120, 144 homes or whatever it is, I literally have to draw a line that covers that amount. And if you're in, you're in. You're out, you're out. That's it for this week of Sea Change on Louisiana Considered. Tune in next week for part two of this episode, where we travel to Texas, where reporter Aaron Douglas introduces us to residents pushed to the margins six years after Hurricane Harvey, suffering through what has become chronic flooding. This episode of Sea Change was reported by Stephen Basaha and Aaron Douglas, hosted by Stephen Basaha and Hallie Parker. 
edited and produced by Carlisle Calhoun and Greta Diaz-Gonzalez-Vasquez. Our sound designer is Maddie Sampanti. Sea Change is a production of WWNO and WRKF. We are part of the NPR network and distributed by PRX. You can listen to all of our episodes of Sea Change on Spotify, Google Play, or WWNO.org. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from the Greater New Orleans Foundation.